Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. Today is Wednesday, August 15th, and this is podcast number 445. My name is Eric Nilsson, and I have my special co-host, Corey Romero, here today. Corey, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Eric, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, it is a beautiful, sunny day in California today, so I'm going to just predict that the color of the bay is uh, turquoise <laughs> blue, because I like everything in the Caribbean that's too turquoise blue, so uh, I'm always going to imagine that our bay is turquoise blue, although if... Uh, John was here. He'd probably tell us it was uh, muddy brown, as always. White sandy beaches all the way around the bay. Absolutely gorgeous. That's right. So we got a great community roundtable podcast here today. Uh, on the show, we have uh, Lee Coswell. He's vice president of products and storage and availability. We're going to talk to him about innovating beyond HCI, all the stuff that's happening in uh, hyper-converged in- infrastructure, as well as where that's going. Uh Lee's got a lot of stuff with the BU happening at VMworld, so we're going to cover, cover some of that. So uh, stay tuned. We're going to do a little bit of news first, then we'll get to Lee. And then the sec back half of the hour, we're going to talk about uh, global support and communities and uh, vSphere's correct answer campaign that they're running. Uh, we're running on VMTN currently. Uh, so I, in, the sh- in the room, I have Brian Griffin. Uh, he's senior product line manager and works for customer support communities, or he does senior product line manager doing customer support communities. Um, so he's here in the studio, so we'll get to talk about that in the back half. So uh, big big show today, um, lots of stuff, so let's get started. Um, first off, just cover some news. V- obviously, VMworld is uh, coming up. It's uh, in just uh, another two weeks, so uh, a little less than two weeks. So, so get your updated. Make sure you get uh, your new walking shoes uh, bought and broken in. Um, we will be there on Sunday, August 26th, running some events. So uh, be aware of that. You can still get hotels and tickets. It's not too late. Uh, I think that uh, the Luxor and some other hotels still have availability at some pretty good rates. So, you know, come visit us. We have VMware code sessions, still have some seats open. About half of those sessions are like 60 VMware code sessions. Uh, about half of them are full, but the other half still have seats left. So uh, just go into the schedule builder and search on code and you'll see all the cool sessions that are out there. Uh, the V Brown Bag sessions still have seats as well, uh, but they're also filling up. So you can search on VMTN and look at all the V Brown Bag sessions that are out there. The Hackathon has, I think, 13 or 14 teams that have, you know, five or six, seven people in them. So there's momentum there. If you're interested in coming on Monday night to the Hackathon, there is still a bit seats available there. We'll, we'll drop you on a team, uh, and, and that should be a, a lot of fun as well. So uh, it, this year it's in Mandalay Bay, so you don't have to walk as far. So make sure you come. And then final news item, we talked about the Cloud City Tour. Um, we did try to do the Cloud City Tour, uh, and we did not succeed. Uh, we were not able to put that in Schedule Builder because it's not officially a session that you can sit down on. So if you guys are looking for the Cloud City Tour that we talked about last week, um, it's not going to be there. Feel free to come to the, the, the basic uh, hang space, whatever we're calling it now, the VM, VM Village. Come to the VM Village. There is Cloud City there. That's where the code uh, booth is going to be set up. That's where the VMTN booth is going to be set up. So there's a lot of stuff going on in the VM Village this year. Come get a Cloud City tour anyway. The guys at the booth will be happy to uh, take you around and show you things. We just couldn't get it in the Schedule Builder. All right. I know there was a lot, uh, but now because we're, we're, we're going to hit fast, uh, Corey, we'll just do a drive-by with you. The VXPR party is going to be at the Pinball Museum, and uh, it is work. We're, we're building at the V Barbecue. So what's new with the V Barbecue? Yeah, Eric, so we sent out invitations to all the V-Experts yesterday. Uh, so if you're a V-Expert, you should have that invitation in your email. And we're setting up uh, some excellent barbecue with one of the best barbecuers in Las Vegas. It's called Roland Smoke Barbecue. And we're going to have two whole pigs 
smoked for the V experts, as well as uh, various other items, chicken. Uh, we've got the brisket. We've got a, bu a bunch of different stuff that they're going to cook up, of course. Real excellent barbecue for the V experts at the party. So looking forward to that. Yep, that makes me hungry already. We're supposed to talk barbecue at the end of the <laughs> podcast. But, uh, the, the, I'm really excited about getting there. If you're veg if you're vegetarian, uh, we'll certainly have a couple uh, heads of lettuce that you can chop up and uh, and nibble on. So uh, there you go. Just kidding. We'll have we'll have some uh, we'll have some veggie burgers there for you guys as well. So we're we're going there. So onward and upward. Let's let's get to our first guest, which I'm really excited about. Uh, Lee Coswell. Lee, welcome to the podcast. You've been here before, so welcome back. Um, as always, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do at VMware, and uh, how long have you been in the ecosystem around data center technologies? Yeah, thanks a lot, Eric. It's such a pleasure to be here, and uh, boy, we're really excited and, and busy, too, getting ready for VMworld. There's so much going on this year. It's certainly going to be the biggest and, and best uh, VMworld for hyperconverged infrastructure, and we'll be showing vSAN, VxRail, um, you know, in the two years since I joined uh, VMware. Uh, from a classic storage company, what we're seeing is just a tremendous enthusiasm for how hyperconverged, right, is changing the nature of how customers can basically speed their operations. So it's, it's you know terrifically exciting. Yeah, 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 it is. And uh, I know that you guys have been on a pretty uh, high growth rate. Per, and uh, also <laughs> with, with the combination of Dell, uh, where at Dell you have PowerEdge servers. And, you know, we've, we've actually, you know, uh, I think in the magic quadrant, we've we've come into the, the leadership position and the growth position, the innovator position. You know, VMware is actually, you know, uh, doing really well in the space. Well, and it was interesting, you know, so IDC came out and showed us as not just number one, but over the last two quarters, expanding our lead in number one, growing faster than the market and taking share. So that was exciting. And then, yeah, you're right. In the magic quadrant that came out for the very first time, software providers, right, were included. I mean, so VMware up until this point was excluded because it was just a hardware appliance view of the world. But What's really come to recognition, right, is that the value in HCI, right, is coming in from the software aspect. And so this architecture that we have of VCN integrated with vSphere, right, just tremendous value for customers and now, uh, you know, just exploding in terms of number of customers. Right, right. Uh, well, well. Congratulations to all the hard work, um, and the, you know, it's it's a you know billion dollar business or some number like that. So, so that's excellent. <laughs> um, you know, when you when you look into the future, right? And some of you, let's talk about VMworld for a, a little bit. I know you're doing some keynotes. I've got Innovated Beyond HCI. Maybe we can talk first about what are you guys doing at VMworld to kind of you know teach everybody about where we're at, and then you know, are if you're talking about you know beyond, what does beyond actually mean? Yeah, it's a great, great point, right? So for a lot of folks, HCI or hyperconverged infrastructure, what started out with what well, was relatively a small level thing, thing that like AM radio. It's basically, hey, this was storage and compute, where we were rehydrating servers with lots of storage again, right? Including mostly flash. And now because you've had fast CPUs, fast processors, and now elegant vSAN software, you could aggregate the storage across these servers and basically provide a persistent storage of record, right, for VMs that were now sharing the same server infrastructure. And what that did was it essentially eliminated the need for external SAN or NAS systems that were typically based on fiber channel or external arrays. And bring that in so that now this could be managed, storage could be managed along with compute in and through vCenter. So that was kind of yeah, stage so, one. That was, I call that yeah. AM radio, if you will. Yeah, which is which is an interesting thing that the pendulum is starting to swing the opposite direction because yeah, that's you know when we started in 2004 with you know heavy vSphere usage, it was all about NAS right. uh, network attached storage, right? That 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 uh, allowed this to happen, which is why you know EMC bought us to begin with, right? So uh, watching exactly. this kind of trend now start to happen is 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 interesting. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So the idea, right? Even if you went back to ESXi, which basically integrated the hypervisor with the Linux kernel, right? That was the integrated value, right? That really set the stage for what, you know, the hypervisor share would look like. Um, we've done the same thing with vCN. So now we've gone and integrated vCN into the native uh, hypervisor. And that gives us a very interesting performance, most efficient use of resources. So we get the most VMs out of this, um, whatever servers you're using, and then gives you a common management. 
But it doesn't stop there, right? So what we'll be talking about is in Beyond HCI and innovating Beyond HCI is that increasingly now, customers are looking saying, hey, what I really want to do is have the full stack. And we're tying this into what we call as a company, the digital foundation. And the digital foundation means that I've basically got any cloud, any application, and any device supported. And we'll be talking, I can go into some specifics here about how do we go and now bring HCI beyond this like point product out here, right? That was just a drop-in appliance to now it's the full HCI stack, the most important decision that customers will make over the next five years. Yeah. Interesting. So, so yeah, we've heard a lot about this in previous podcasts where, you know, BU leaders are coming in and really talking about the integration of managing the app, right? And that the, the app stack yeah. itself, ha- management of the app stack has to layer in to what we would used to call the SDDC, which is network, you know, storage and compute. Now you kind of start managing, managing, managing the app stack along with that. And it, and it changes the game again, just like HCI changed the management of storage compute a network all as a bundle and one management stack. Now you kind of go up to application and security as well. So I, I find that interesting. And is that kind of where you guys are pointing out at, at the same time? It's precisely right. I mean, when you when we basically launched VSXI, if you think for a moment, right, uh, the storage became a separately managed, budgeted, controlled element that was now far away from the applications that were running on the servers. And so one of the right. interesting benefits of HCI is that as we bring the storage back in close to the applications, right, back close to the compute, we're now bringing the infrastructure so that it can be managed closer from an app level, right, or at least a VM or a container level. And so what that means now is I've got the ability from a common management structure to say, listen, I can at a policy level go and start setting storage attributes like capacity and IOPS, QoS, and I can set those from a VM perspective. And that means that you know, the app owner is the one that knows the most about, hey, what failure protection should I have? What performance requirements do I need? What sort of QoS level? So that started in storage. Now what's happening with this full HCI stack as we expand the definition is, is bringing in security policies for networking. It's bringing in alerting and reporting through the realize. It's bringing in right. the full cross cloud, right? And so it's a really expanded definition where HCI now becomes the software-defined data center. So are you seeing customers start to you know, push you towards this? Are they coming in wanting to have conversations about this? I know we talk about it from ourselves, but what's the customer traction when, you, when you, you know, you've, you've already sold HCI, you have big HCI customers that have bought into you know, what we have from compute, network, and storage. Uh, are they actually starting to look at their own infrastructure and start coming in going, this is how we want to manage apps at the same time? Are we seeing Kubernetes and these guys start to have that dialogue as well? <laughs> you bet. I mean, what you're thinking is, you know, so as you bring this common developer-ready infrastructure, right, that includes compute, storage, and network, all then managed with a common interface, um, what we're seeing is customers say, hey, listen, that's great on-prem. You know, I can deploy this on any server. That's part of our VMware ecosystem. I can deploy it on VxRail, which is an integrated appliance, or VxRack at rack scale. Uh, but now for the first time, I can have that same full software stack running natively in AWS. So now I've got a cross-cloud ability to have a common operational model, and that's giving new, basically, career expansion almost for the virtualization administrator. Right. Yeah, I, we, we'll, we'll talk about the virtualization administrator in a, little, in, in a moment here. So, um, well, I'll, I'll just ask you, want me to go there? Because I have some specific questions around this where, you know, we are talking to the IT practitioner here. And some of this, you know, starts to change their world. And one of the questions we've had <laughs> is, are we trying to get network and security and storage admins to come see our perspective and, and move into our product line? Are we taking the you know compute uh, admin, which would normally run part of the, the, the data center, and expand his role to include storage, networking, and now cloud? Or is it a mix of both? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, storage, meaning like SAN and NAS, traditional array business, I mean, that's a big business today, and it's not going away, but it's flat or shrinking. And the reason why is that what we have customers looking at is they're looking for flexible, fast operations to be able to change things at the pace of digital business, which means, hey, I'm changing my apps not on a 
yearly basis. I'm changing them on like a weekly or even a daily basis. So as I change those, I need to be able to flexibly and quickly be able to change the underlying infrastructure. You can only do that if you abstract the physical properties of resources right into a virtualized environment. And who does that best? Well, VMware does, right? So now you've got this totally integrated way to go and look at your application needs as they change, flexibly change them. And so what's happening now is um, I think of it a little bit like the first time people used Uber, right, or, or Lyft. Um, you know, and you think, well, listen, I'm doing this myself. There's a little bit of like, uh, you know, can I do this? What happens if I did it wrong? Where does it go? Because in the past, that was done by, let's say, a taxi dispatcher, right? Well, now what happens is you do it the first time. You're like, well, that was pretty good. Now I can actually, I've got this. I can do it. And this is the kind of aha moment that we're seeing customers go through as they look and say, hey, listen, maybe I start with VDI because that's a low risk out of the data center. And then I'll do a remote office, right? But now, and what we'll be showing in Beyond HCI is this is moving into the most mission critical applications, core databases where performance, resilience, enterprise level are the hallmarks of how products are successful. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I I can see this. I'm just trying to get my head around the whole thing because it is it is that role that that starts to shift. Now I've got I've got cloud components in there. I have to get my head around the fact that it's moving into total software management and and then I'm managing you know application workloads across this infrastructure in kind of an expanded way. So I I'm I'm even struggling with you know how to get my head around understanding what role you know I would I would yeah. change myself as an IT administrator. Yeah. Well, and the fast pace of HCI adoption is that, you know, as servers are refreshed, right, and servers are certainly refreshed much more frequently than storage systems. There's about 1,000 SANs sold a week or a month, where there's about 40,000 servers sold a day. So the opportunity right now is, hey, use a server refresh as an opportunity to get familiar, comfortable. You can start small. The risk is low. And this is basically at server price points. Let's take that, start out, and then look at how I can basically build an infrastructure that now says I can go in. It's not eliminating positions. I think there was an early fear of that. That's not what's happening. What's happening is we're saying, listen, we can go and bring the teams together. So I've got a converged IT team. And what that means now is I eliminate this very complicated world of trying to look at the intersections of storage and compute and network as separate silos. And instead, right. I look at the VM and I can say, hey, listen, I need some more RAM here. I need some more CPU. I need some more storage performance. And it's all done from a policy-based VM out perspective as opposed to a storage in perspective. Right. And then and then climbing the stack into the the app perspective as well. Right. So it's interesting. OK, shift gears a little bit here. I know we're just talking sure. tech and market space, but uh, <laughs> so what else is going on at VMworld? I mean, there's just so many things that we do from a community's perspective. What are you excited about? Uh, you obviously got your show, showcase session. I don't know if you know your session number, but we'll look that up. Um, but uh, also, what else you got going on there that's going to be fun for you guys? Well, you know, we're. Uh, um, uh, Starting off with uh, technical sessions on uh, on Sunday, we've got the party, which is a, uh, one of the hot tickets at the show. It's called the VCN Customer Appreciation Day. If um, you know, reach out to your uh, sales rep, and we can get you there. There's um, it's uh, live music. It's at the top of the foundation room, and a great view over the whole entire strip. Um, this should be just a great event. It's uh, always packed, um, and we usually have a few special guests that show up. So. That's the, what, what, uh, do, you, do you know what night that is? That is on Monday night. Yes. Monday night. Monday night. Mon- All right. So if Monday you're not night. hacking, if you're not at the hackathon, then uh, the second choice is to go to the vSend <laughs> party. I have heard a lot about the vSend party and all the hackers that are done it, done it with the hackathon at like 10, 30, 11. They're all like, how do I get into the vSend party? Maybe I can get over there because it is at the top. So one of the top of the hotels. I've never been, but I have heard about this party and I've seen pictures it's, on uh, Twitter about it. So it, it it's is a, a rocket rock event. So uh, right. all right. So <laughs> if you're if you're a vSend customer and you want some appreciation, you should be able to get into this thing. Right. So you know during the days, gosh, we've got 61 different sessions going on, all the way from you know 100 to 200 to 300 level sessions, starting off with more business level 
uh, discussions around ECI, and then down to deep technical deep dives around all of the new features and capabilities. Um, you know, for folks who've been watching, right, I mean, DCN has been on a torrid pace of technical innovation with new releases coming out every six months. Uh, we do have a new release we'll be talking about at the show. So, um, you know, certainly uh, participate in that. That's Monday. Now, Tuesday is what we call vSAN Day. And so vSAN Day, we're going to be um, uh, showcasing the uh, our showcase session. That'll be led by Yan Bing Lee, our fearless GM, as well as John Gilmartin, um, who is now responsible for what we call our integrated systems business unit, which builds a full stack implementation. It's the fastest way to build a software-defined data center offering based on the full stack of all VMware offerings. That's called the VMware Cloud Foundation. It takes vSAN along with vSphere and NSX, wraps it with management, and puts integrated lifecycle management around all the components to simplify day two operations. So that'll be an integrated dish. These products are interrelated. They're not unique and different. The BCF is just an extension, as you say, right, of of HCI. So that'll be on Tuesday, um, along with the HCI zone. Have you heard of that? I have not heard of the HCI zone. Nope, nope, nope. I I, I, I remember we had HCI areas where you could come in and wander yeah. around and learn about the whole the whole stack and the hardware with Dell and so forth. But is that yeah. what this is again? And is it in the uh, yeah, going to be in the pavilion area? If the HCI zone is in the, uh, the solution showcase area. Solution like, exchange. Actually, yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. There we go. That's um, it's a, a, a just that's kind of added on to the v, to the uh, VMware booth. So, um, but it's separate because uh, it really goes into this beyond HCI thinking about how do we go now and think about HCI in new and different ways. So we'll be showing new applications running. We'll be showing on different levels of hardware. We'll have the VxRail product prominently displayed, um, as well as um, uh, other server uh, partner uh, solutions. And we'll be showing um, some new uh, applications for the Edge. And so the Edge is a really interesting new area, right, with 20 billion devices coming online by 2021, according to uh, leading analysts. Um, the idea is, hey, I'm going to have to have distributed data centers. And those distributed data centers are going to have to have local persistent storage. And you're not going to put a SAN out on every oil rig or in every manufacturing facility. So let's think about using new form factors, new licenses, new ways to think about like bringing the cost and form factor down into these distributed environments where I'll never have a storage admin out there. I need a generalist and be able to manage those from a central location. That's an interesting uh, uh, idea, and I, I can see it because I think on a previous podcast, I don't know the episode, but we had CTO in from the network business unit who was talking about the Velo Cloud and the Edge and the, the, the fourth the fourth network, right, or the fourth cloud service right. implementation, right, where <laughs> where you know all of the all the service providers, you know, the telcos are going to get into the uh, data center data center business, but it's all going to be out on the edge, right? So when you when you talk about that, it's true. You're going to need small micro storage kind of devices that 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 can do something with this data that's out on the edge, right? Because uh, it is data availability that starts to become, you know, when you have this big network and you have large data sets that are floating around out in various places, how do you, how do you manage that? How do you keep that data that's out right. on the edge? So you're not, you know, killing network bandwidth by moving it all over the place. So interesting. So you guys are going to be talking about that on what day was that? Tuesday. Well, so, and that, it, yeah, the HCI zone is actually Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, um, but special emphasis on Tuesday um, okay. for that. Yeah, I think, you know, as you think about where, um, you know, VMware has certainly been uh, the leader on on on-premises equipment, but now being able to run through VMC and VR as a service, um, and those are all based on vSAN, right, in either AWS or with other cloud providers like IBM Cloud or with our, you know, um, 400, uh, over 400 uh, service providers that are offering uh, vSAN as part of their full offering. Um, But now thinking about going back to the edge. And if you think about some of the interesting things that VMware is doing, if you look at like recent acquisitions around 5G monitoring, for example, or we just announced uh, Basque Iyer is the uh, new GM of our edge um, uh, business unit. That all of a sudden is showing like the intent of VMware to go and have this common operational model, this common digital foundation that extends from edge 
to core to cloud across applications from legacy applications into, like you mentioned, PKS, uh, persistent storage for uh, you know container-based cloud-native applications. It's a very exciting opportunity to think about this as I'm buying into and architecting to a full software stack that gives me investment protection where where I want to run it is incidental and what I want to run on it is all supported. Yeah, it's it's just fascinating to get your head around where we came from, from a, you know ESXi on servers, giving you VMs to <laughs> sure. upper level virtualizing network, virtualizing storage. Now put, putting Edge out there. Now now everything just floats all over the place. Now AWS, IBM, cloud services, everything layered there. It is it is it's just it's just uh, amazing to see that IT has moved really from a physical location into kind of just a virtual network infrastructure that you're you're managing through panes of glass, right? So uh, you bet. amazing. Um, all right, we have another, another, have another five minutes, so I'll, I'll do, maybe we have seven minutes, so I'll, I'll go one with, uh, so we talk about AWS, we talk about cloud, uh, and we, you know, VMware's getting into cloud services, right? Uh, we're, we're starting to mm. no longer sell products that you install in your data center. I mean, there, we are getting into the, the management services business, where cloud offerings. If I look, listen to Raghu Raghavan talk about, you know, our roadmap of cloud services, uh, you know, I, I start going, Okay, I can see this. We're gonna we're gonna be selling things on on cloud now. Uh, Wavefront's an example of that. The only way you can get Wavefront is by you know buying it on a cloud service. So you're no longer setting up, stall, installing, and managing. Uh, where are you going from a uh, storage and hyperconverged infrastructure? You, you talk a little bit about you know managing the app across the network into into AWS. Uh, are you guys uh, thinking about that? And is there any advanced thinking you can share with us? Yeah, you bet. So um, this is all good fodder and reason why to come to the showcase session with uh, Yan Bing Lee and John Gilmartin. Um, we'll be showing how we've expanded the definition of HCI and then led into a like, cloud-managed, SaaS-enabled management construct for being able to go and manage on-prem from a SaaS-based environment. So come there. We'll have uh, a demo in the, uh, in the session for that as well as we'll be adding uh, private betas. Uh, we'll be announcing private betas for uh, two new functions where what we're finding is, you know, as the policy-based power of a new operational model centered on vCenter becomes apparent, now customers are coming back and saying, well, that's great, but could you add this in here? And so I'm, I'm, it's a teaser. I'm not going to go and, and spill it right now, but uh, we've got two very um, innovative new uh, capabilities um, that are going to be announced as uh, private beta capabilities. So, you know, you'll want to come and uh, and hear it at this uh, uh, at the session and and go for that. We should get the the number while I'm. Uh, I'll take a look here. Yeah, uh, yeah. that'd be a great opportunity. Well, so, yeah, that's that is also interesting in that um, we look at you know our typical product life cycle has been a year and a half where we build stuff, release it, goes into production, last three years or whatever the number is. Um, but now, as we get into cloud services, we are getting into that agile environment where uh, I'm seeing releases of functionality and feature come out once a quarter, right? Where you know these things are being deployed, much like all the other SaaS services I I consume, where you know they're, the, the the speed at which we're actually introducing services is also accelerating. Do you see that in your business? Well, I think there's a big difference, a freedom lever almost, right, that comes from approaching this as a software company. I mean, you know, I was at large storage companies and server companies in the past where, um, gosh, we had um, inventory meetings and, you know, end-of-life meetings and, you know, how do we get rid of this obsolescent hardware that we had, right? I mean, just a whole set of overhead that comes from managing uh, yeah. greenfield you know, versus brown, brownfield and maintenance of all that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And even just uh, hard, I mean, basically release cycles were tied to new hardware releases. Well, this is different, right? With a software view, we now have probably 15,000 server developers working for the HCI full stack for free <laughs> and dropping off new hardware, right, on a you know regular basis, including cloud providers. And so what we're able to do is basically free up the development cycles, right? So you've watched vSAN be on a six-month release cycle. And at DMC, which is our offering on AWS, 
Um, we've even compressed that down to a three-month cycle. It's a really interesting model for being able to speed up the delivery of new features, right, which allows customers to go and take advantage of those just on an accelerated basis. Right. All right. Well, well, good. Uh, you know, that, that's exactly what, what I'm experiencing. And it gives me kind of uh, excitement because, you know, I, it used to be, I think, when am I going to get tired of, you know, VMs and storage and networking? And, you know, I've been doing how many VM worlds have I been to? I've been to like 18 or 20 VM worlds now. <laughs> Is that right? Wow. Yeah. And so and so when when do you get tired of this? But the acceleration and the movement into cloud services and cloud offerings and consumption based um, it makes it uh, fun for, to, to keep innovating. And I think most of the community members would say the same thing that, you know, just when you think you might be getting tired of it all, it, it, it morphs into something completely different, but yet exciting and fun. So cool. All right. Last bit of, uh, before we let you go, Lee, uh, first thing, uh, what do you think, you know, your back half of 2018, what are your challenges? What excites you? <laughs> what are you trying to accomplish in the last half of the year and how can community help you? Yeah. So, I mean, this is a year of scale, right? And we've been at such a torrid growth pace. Um, but what's interesting, right, is we're still like less than 5% of the VMware customer base is yet using HCI. So just a tremendous opportunity to get familiar with it, try it out, see how it goes. So we're really encouraging customers to go and, uh, you know, take a look. One of the big differences we saw from two years ago to last year, you know, when we go in the sessions and ask who's using the stand, it's like now it's 90%. You know, it started out, it was, it was, it was a 10%. It's moved to 90%. And so we're just watching the rapid thing. Our sessions are filling up fast. We encourage everyone to go and sign up quickly and, uh, you know, make the most out of the show. We've got a lot of new information about a technology that will make you visually transformed. All right. Well, great. Uh, so you're going to be uh, in Vegas. You're also going to be in Barcelona uh, running, running. Stuff. Oh, yeah. So uh, you're available. <laughs> you're on Twitter. Uh, how do people follow you? I think you're just at uh, Lee Caswell. At Lee Caswell. Pretty simple. Yeah. One word. And uh, yeah, yeah, looking forward so, to so, from everybody. So if you- so if you're listening to this or watching us on Facebook, um, go give Lee a, uh, a shout out. Follow him on Twitter. He does tweet. I think you do tweet yourself, too. That's really super oh, yeah. cool. Uh, and you do retweet <laughs> stuff. So um, I thank you for supporting the community and thank you for being in social and being a real person that people can actually watch you uh, roll out products and engage with you on Twitter. So thanks for doing that. Um, final thing, any good books you want to recommend? A good book? Wow. Now yeah. that's an interesting one. I know. Um, we, we always hit people with that once in a while, especially with VP level. You know, it's all about what you read. Any Anything you want to share with everybody? <laughs> well, this may be a little off topic, but, um, you know, I was hiking up in New Hampshire um, and uh, found a book of um, basically someone who had been in the Civil War and okay. was writing back about, um, you know, a little bit about the hardships of the Civil War. And that's what we have, have always heard of. But, you know, what was interesting is he had also kept letters coming the other way, which were about the hardships, you know, in the 1800s back in New Hampshire in the, in the winter and, and disease sickness and things like that. The point was this, right? By sharing information, um, people were able to go and basically make the best of their situation, figure out what things would work. How do they go and basically optimize, right, in a world of scarce resources? And that's what VMworld is about to me, right? It's an opportunity to go and come in, share the best with partners other customers who are using these technologies with experts that we have. It's really an interesting opportunity. I mean, you know, it's a little more positive and uplifting than the Civil War, perhaps, but um, it's the same dynamic that, you know, working with people, there's nothing that takes the place of face-to-face exchange. So we look forward to seeing everybody there. Yeah. Lee Caswell, uh, thanks for joining us on the Community Podcast. You're VP of Products, Storage and Availability. Uh, Thanks for being there. We'll see you at VMworld and have a rest of uh, your day. May it be great. Uh, Eric, Murray, thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Yeah, thank you. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Moving on. So that was a nice session with Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, next thing we have on the show, uh, Brian. Brian is in the studio, so we'll 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 chat with Brian and talk to him about global support, what he's been doing here at VMware. So Brian Griffin, thanks for being on the show. Your senior product line manager, customer support communities. Uh, tell us uh, who you are, how long have you been at VMware, and what have you done in, done in the ecosystem before you got here? Yeah, all right. Thanks, Eric, for having me. 
Uh, yeah, I joined uh, VMworld about eight months ago uh, as product manager for communities within the global services organization. Super excited to be here. I love the company. I've been building communities uh, for over 10 years now for both enterprise and consumer businesses. Uh, I'm very passionate about communities, and I'm looking forward to uh, working with marketing to build uh, the next uh, future state for communities. Great, great. Well, uh, welcome to VMware. Uh, we we always say that VMware is one of these cool places that uh, it's like a yes company, right? Everybody says yes, and you have to figure out what you're actually going to say no to because there's just too many things to do, right? Um, that are that are going on. So, welcome to your first uh, VMware Communities uh, Roundtable podcast. Um, so, we're here a little bit uh, to talk about some of the stuff you've been working on to uh, revamp how global support is uh, is handled. So, I'll set the stage a little bit. Like we've been here for ten years. Uh, global support in the 2004 through 2012 was kind of the we want to sell support packages, right? We want to sell support packages. We want to drive people into support. We want them to call a number, get support. There wasn't a lot of community engagement from the support organization because in those days they were really about selling services, right? And they sure. they actually looked at community and thought that community was kind of like this thing they did free support. And why would we actually uh, encourage people to go over there? We want them to come over over here, buy the support packages, and uh, and and move forward. But I, I see a, a change. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what global support has been doing to revamp itself and change the way customers interact and uh, engage with the support org? Sure. And, and let me start by saying that global services is oh for well over a year now has been really working to set the stage for the future, and we kind of refer to it as reimagining support. We believe there's a lot more things that we can do, including community. Uh, we want to strengthen our self-service operations. We want to build this peer-to-peer -peer concept. We have customers helping customers, but we also want to fuel that community with moderators, uh, everything from vExpert employees, vMug employees, to even our own employees here. In fact, we've been staffing some of the communities recently, uh, and I'll call this out in a moment, uh, to really uh, drive the engagement, show people we're present, and we see, uh, are taking community seriously. Uh, we have uh, been talking to a lot of our customers, and we have heard from them that uh, this is a missed opportunity in global services, and, and we agree with them. So we are doubling down on community support. As I said, we've been staffing some communities such as uh, Skyline, for example, a uh, product right. appliance that we've uh, recently released with moderators, engaging customers. Uh, we really believe it's a better model for like SEV2, SEV3 things. Right. Uh, number one, if you've got a SEV1 issue, we want you calling in. But if you've got SEV2, SEV3, we believe you'll have a better experience within the community, not only from a responsiveness standpoint, but you have multiple people contributing to a question or a thread that brings different types of context to that issue and give people choices on how they want to pursue uh, that issue or that question. Yeah. So I know a couple of things that we work with you. We've been working with you for now a year, right? So mm -hmm. it's great to have you on the show finally. Um, one of the one of the things we did right away with you guys is uh, is start to train some of your your experts in support to come into the communities and engage with people that are already there, That's right? right. That, so that that way things that aren't getting answered, right? Because there's some percentage of questions that were mm -hmm. were tricky to answer that community members just didn't have time to deal with. That uh, you actually put you know uh, real human bodies behind. Uh, this effort, right? So it wasn't just talk, it's about taking resources and applying them into the communities, right? Ab absolutely. And it goes beyond that. Uh, it's, it's people, but it's also driving the right behaviors and teaching our community members uh, the types of things that we need them to do to the community to benefit everyone. For example, when uh, people reply to a question, it's uh, preferred that the original poster of that question comes back in and marks it as a correct answer because that is a sign of trust and that now makes that trusted content and if it happens to have a few likes on it or a few uh, I had the same question type of marks and that further validates that that is valuable and trusted content so we want to not just bring people into the community but we want to bring behaviors and teach those behaviors so that everyone benefits from the ability to identify trusted content. Yeah. So then a second thing that uh, I think we've done in the last year is even through the support flow, right, where in the past a support flow you'd call in and there was no kind of get off, go look at the community for this this mm -hmm. this question. It was kind of like you came in, you you engaged with support, you went into knowledge base and uh, you work with, with the global support people. Uh, now we actually route people in, we make suggestions during the, the workflow, right, to where, you know, we're exposing more community, you know, into that workflow so that helps drive because I remember a year or two ago, uh, we surveyed our customer base, like how many people had been to the community, how many people knew about the community, 
community. And it was only 50-50, right? Like there was 50% of the people that had bought product from VMware, you know, gotten their license, had problems, called support, that didn't even understand that they could actually get over community and get an answer from community members maybe faster or, you know, you know, and then also not only uh, get answers, but also share answers, right? So That's share right. things that they've exposed to. So I know you guys have done that where you've exposed uh, the community, the VMTN community, into that flow. So people that are coming in that have broad product can actually uh, learn about how to, to find another way to do this. That's right. We've uh, been building indoor flows, and we're going to continue to do more of that. For example, we've just uh, released internally and soon to be released externally a new federated search engine. And basically, uh, for anyone who's not familiar with federated search, it allows you to basically index pretty much any type of content. So very soon, we will have uh, customers be able to discover trusted community content via our external search. And so that's one more workflow that we're bringing it into, and uh, we think there's a ton of opportunity there. And by the way, that's already rolled out to our agents. So our agents are already looking at post, uh, and we'll potentially, uh, in the future, rather maybe send a KB article, they might send a community post to the customer because it might be a better answer. For yeah, them. excellent, excellent. All right, so um, uh, Julia, I think you've got audio on your Mac turned on, so we're getting some echo, but uh, we'll get that fixed up. So. Second thing I want to do is talk a little bit about some of the vSphere Correct Answer campaign. So we've been working with you guys to kind of let's market some of this stuff so that we can, you know, try to get more people you know, aware of some of the things that are, you guys are trying to do with the vSphere community. That, that's right. One of the things we also heard from our customers is that, that are going to the community is that, hey, you know, it's a great experience. There's a lot of people there, but, you know, we just don't always trust the content. And so what we want to do is start to... Um, help with that. And one of the ways we're doing that is that we want to, again, I touched on this earlier, is kind of teach the behaviors that we want community members to follow because it benefits everyone within the community. And one of the ways you do that is you kind of lead by example. So we decided to, um, and first of all, I'll also mention that we've kind of um, let the cat out of the bag a little bit here in that we are building an, a new community experience, and that'll be available probably later half of next year. Uh, but we want people to get excited like we're excited about community. Uh, but we don't want to wait for the new platform. So we are, as I said earlier, we're bringing moderators into the community, but we're also doing little things like this, the vSphere Correct Answer Challenge. And what we've basically done is we are challenging people to come into the community and start providing replies to questions that don't already have a reply or maybe have some replies, but uh, it's not a correct answer yet. And we are watching, monitoring the community, the vSphere community today, and uh, we are basically going to award uh, the top contributors. And uh, the idea here is that we have a uh, group of solutions architects who are monitoring this uh, activity within the community. And when an original poster does not come and select the uh, reply as the correct answer, our solution architects are going to go ahead and do that for them. Now, that's typically not what you want to see in a community. But again, until we teach the original posters the right behavior to mark those posts with the uh, correct answer, we're going to kind of do that for them. Again, teaching the behavior that this is what we need you guys to do so that everyone can see that this is trusted content. Uh, so we have people in there uh, selecting correct answers on these replies, and uh, basically this competition is going to run all the way up until Barcelona, VMworld. Uh, we're going to issue awards uh, at two stages. The first set of awards will go out just before uh, VMworld Las Vegas, and then the second set of awards will go out just before VMworld Barcelona. And uh, we've got some super cool uh, prizes, first of all, for those people who contribute the most replies. And, uh, of course, they get points for replies, but they also get points for getting their replies selected as the correct answer. And so what they can uh, win, potentially, is uh, entry into the V-Expert party at both locations, Barcelona and Vegas. But we've also got some super cool Sonos speakers, two sets of speakers, actually one individual high-end speaker and then a smaller set of uh, dual bookshop shelf uh, speakers. And if you're not familiar with Sonos, they're the kind of the hot trendy speakers out that I have on myself, and it's, it's just amazing. So hopefully that will encourage people to come on in and participate in the um, competition or the challenge. But we also have some other things. Uh, we're going to uh, uh, look at these individuals who contribute at most and consider them at a higher level for the Be Expert program. We're also going to be considering them for nomination for the Community Warrior Award. And we're also going to work with them to help build their uh, reputation online. Uh, and by the way, when we talk about reputation in the community, whatever we do in the new platform is going to be transferable over there. And we really want to focus on community contributors 
having the ability to develop that reputation uh, through badging mechanics, through rank statuses, et cetera, because we know that's important to them and we want to give them a profile to go along with that so that they can showcase uh, their skill sets and, uh, and the achievements that they've made. Yep, that sounds uh, sounds exciting. Sounds good to put some energy back into uh, the, the, the community and drive people into it, get those questions answered. I know that we have some certain amount of questions answered, but it's always good to retrain people. And then I think there's a, a little bit of the uh, onboarding process that we're trying to, to mm-hmm. improve as well, right? Like how do we get people that are coming through uuh, to understand like what they should be doing when they join the community, right? That's so right. That's right. Uh, right now today, and this is the case with most communities, 90% of your population or your traffic in your community is coming right. from public search engines. They're unauthenticated. Well, that other 10% that's authenticated is super important to us because they're the ones asking the questions and providing the answers that create this trusted content. So we have to look at both of these audiences or these groups, and we need to build experiences for them. Uh, and so right, one right. of the things we really want to do is, is drive a little bit more adoption in terms of registration. And uh, we understand that not everyone is comfortable posting in a public uh, environment like this. So what we want to do is the moment that they register, we want to embrace them through an onboarding process. We want to personally reach out to them and connect with them, and we want to give them a series of experiences, whether that's uh, modals popping up or emails delivered to their inbox, that uh, sort of hold their hand through that initial period within the community until they get comfortable, because until they're comfortable, they're not going to post those questions or they're not going to answer those those, questions. Uh, uh, questions that have been posted. So uh, we want to really help people get comfortable with the community environment. Uh, we realize it's not for everyone, uh, but we also believe that if you just give it a chance, you're going to have a better experience probably than sitting on a phone with an agent. Okay. I have some questions in chat here, so I'm just looking at chat. So one uh, one of them is, how will the forms be influencing KBs? It's great if the form is better than a KB, but if that's the case, shouldn't those be reflected back to the KB to improve them as well? Absolutely. There will be uh, what we want to avoid is that we have complete duplication of content. So we don't want to mirror everything that's in the KB. But there are certain community posts that warrant being as part of a knowledge-based article, and we will do that. In other cases, we might just link to a KB from uh, a community post. Um, there's even techniques, and I don't know if we'll do this yet, but sometimes we might even cut and paste a piece of the KB article into that uh, community post. But more often than not, we're just going to link to that community post when we believe it'll uh, supplement or enhance the answer within the community. Uh, but, but back to the original point, absolutely, there are times where we will want to create a KB article from a post so it's available in all places. And we also understand that those people who may not be comfortable in community setting uh, are more comfortable uh, either reading or listening to a video. So that's fine. We want to take care of them as well. Great, great. Um, so I'll, I'll switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about Google. You mentioned Google and our traffic in into Google, um, and and some of that is like, look, you're you're searching on Google to to find your articles, and then you come in and you don't register. You're just kind of a, a viewer, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I know we've been looking at Google traffic. Is is one of our our goals here as 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 you move forward to kind of drag people, you know, from Google into community to engage directly and create a relationship with the set of people that could be helping answer questions and being in that ecosystem as opposed to just the, you know, if we look at it, what percentage actually do log in, uh, you know, if we get, you know, 80% of the traffic coming from Google, uh, there, there is that notion of how do I get, how do I get people from just to click Google to actually come in and search uh, inside of of our community, and that, that gets into why are people going to Google? They're going to Google to search. So maybe we should just talk a little bit about you know trying to get people in, right, routing in and doing searches in our own space as opposed to just using Google as this go find an article. Yeah, what we've heard from our customers is that Google is primarily used out of convenience, right? Um, I, I use it myself all the time. But we do believe that uh, we need to get more of those folks onboarded into the community environment because, again, that's what creates the questions and the answers that create the trusted content. So we constantly want to take, you know, 1% at a time off of public search and into an authenticated mode. That's our goal. Uh, But at the same time, we believe there's just so much more value uh, in a community setting, uh, whether it's gaming mechanics or uh, relationships and connections that are being built or access to blog posts or documents that maybe aren't being indexed or not as discoverable via public search. Uh, We just think there's a ton more valuable 
um, uh, information and, and capabilities within a community environment as opposed to public search. So uh, by getting folks over there, we hope to be able to introduce that to them. And of course, that onboarding process will be instrumental in making that happen. All right, great, great. Uh, I always spend a little bit of time, and I'll, I'll do it with you, with all the guests, which is, you know, cloud is coming, cloud services are coming. Um, how do you see cloud, AWS, and the rest of the cloud environment start to impact global services, right? And and then by cloud services, uh, then, you know, and global and support around those, how does that start to impact the community engagement as well? Yeah, uh, well, I, I think the first thing that comes to mind is that when we're in a cloud environment, typically we're dealing with less complex issues. They're generally often licensing issues, subscription issues. They're not the high complexity issues. So uh, we don't necessarily have to have the experts in there answering those types of questions. Doesn't mean we won't consider that if the need is there, but generally right. the questions aren't as complex. And so um, it allows us to provide even more timely responses, more accurate responses, because when you're in a highly complex environment, there's a lot of nuances that maybe aren't understood right off the bat in, a, in an original community post, right? So it's a little bit easier to solve things, quite frankly, in a SaaS environment, and we can deliver a better service there, and, and we believe that uh, it's probably going to be better than picking up the phone. All right, so in, the, in, a, in a sense of educating the, mm-hmm. the listeners that are out there, um, the the SaaS service models we have cloud. Do you know? I know, and this is kind of off topic for you, sure. but uh, as long as you're here, I'll, I'll ask <laughs> it because we're trying to educate our own ecosystem participants as well. That's right. What does it mean when we're talking support for SaaS services? Do we even offer support for like some of these products that are SaaS offerings? Yeah. Uh, first, first of all, we are working to build. Uh, a support console or support experience that is going to be in the subscription experience. And uh, okay. we'll also eventually right. deploy that into our product experience as well. So uh, we are we have UX designers working on this as we speak and working with the SaaS group to basically build a service console that people can access from anywhere within that SaaS environment. And that uh, service console will allow them to have access not only to community and knowledge-based articles, but to the channels uh, that are available to them for the types of issues they're trying to solve. Yeah, it, it is interesting because if you start, you know, dealing with, you know, SaaS services and dependencies across multiple SaaS services mm-hmm. that plug in, then, you know, who do you throttle, right? Like, where where do I go? Is it an Amazon problem? Is it an IBM problem? Is it a VMware problem? Is it a tools problem on top of VMware? And I know that as these, as these distributed solutions, as SaaS services, you know, start to roll out, it gets complicated tracking down where do I have something? So do do we get into the kind of like full stack offering? Like, hey, we'll support some of you know your whole hybrid hybrid cloud environment. Um, and I got to imagine as you reinvent you know global services that you're probably going to have to deal with some of the reinvention to to handle you know distributed hybrid cloud environments that, that get tricky to track down. Yeah, we, we are working on that. Uh, we've got a lot of customers who are going to be in the premise space and also in the cloud space. And uh, how do we manage that from a support uh, supportability standpoint? Additionally, you know, how do we make sure that these people are authenticated to be able to go across these two environments? Because one day they might be servicing something or supporting something in uh, their their um, their on-site systems, where another day they might be in the cloud. So we've got to basically be able to uh, create a, a support model that spans both premise and cloud environments, and we can do that with pretty much everything, whether it be channels, uh, self services like community and KB. Uh, but we plan to go there, and we're working on that today. All right. Uh, final, uh, you do have a community on VMTN that is uh, Silver Lake, I want to say, or Silver? Uh, Skyline. 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 Yeah. I always use Silver, but it's Skyline. And I know you guys are running that community yeah. as well. Maybe we should just give a little airtime to Skyline. Awesome. What is Skyline? How does that work? You, you kind of program, product manage some of the support stuff for, for communities as well. Why don't we talk a little bit about Skyline here? That's right. This is Global Services. Uh, getting into the proactive support space. Whenever you're in a cloud space, you know, customers uh, can't just deal with a reactive environment. They're looking for tools that uh, allow them to proactively identify problems in their uh, environment. So what we have developed is, uh, I think you can think of it as an appliance called Skyline. It basically sits on top of their environment and it goes out using a set of rules, Uh, There's going to be probably some AI in the future involved in there as well, going out and trying to detect vulnerabilities or systems that might not be at the right patch level to proactively notify people, hey, you've got this vulnerability out there. 
as opposed to, you know, them discovering and then calling us, uh, you know, at when there's a problem. So we want to proactively notify them about uh, potential issues within their environment. That's what Skyline is all about. We're taking this very serious. In fact, we, the, the primary and not only, but the primary support channel for them is community. And we have staffed that with a number of expert moderators who are uh, providing a great level of support today, and we hope to mirror that in other places. So is that is that an on-prem? I think you mentioned on-prem. Yes. Is, it's an on-prem appliance that gets dropped in on-prem that's then doing monitoring, alarming, AI possibly, to be able to kind of, kind of analyze and do that kind of upfront support before you actually need to make a support call. Yeah, yeah. Be careful here. I'm not quite the product guy here. Right, but, uh, right, right. Uh, that, that's right. It's all about right. proactive uh, uh, support as opposed to reactive. Right, right. You know, in the future, I, I envision we'll have predictive, uh, you know, requirements, right? right? But right now right. it's proactive and it's just making people aware of issues that they might not be aware of in their environment. Uh, so they have fewer opportunities to have uh, downtime and other types of issues. Right. So if people want to actually engage with you on it, you can just go to communities.vmr.com, click on the uh, Skyline tab. That's right. right? And uh, you're there. I know you've done, done posts mm-hmm. there. Um, so so good. I got one other thing that we can't ignore because it, mm-hmm. it's an announcement on VMTN this week, um, which is I'm trying to get the site up. But uh, we did have uh, some Intel bug that we want to let everybody know about. Right. So That's maybe right. we can spend another minute or two just uh, covering what's going on with Intel days? Yeah, don't have a lot of insight into uh, how it all occurred, but basically I was pulled in uh, just recently to the fact that uh, we have these vulnerabilities and uh, we know that there could potentially um, be some issues with customers, maybe around performance. So we just wanted to get the word out as quickly as we were allowed to, to make them aware of that. We created a post uh, uh, that currently is closed for comments, but we're going to probably open that up uh, today. In fact, if people have questions about that, uh, we will have moderators uh, available to look at those uh, responses, but uh, uh, we're just trying to get the word out as many places as possible, so we put that announcement up today. There's also some KB articles out there uh, right. provide you the details and, and uh, what we know and what we can share with you at this time. Yeah, so this is like a security issue, just like the last Intel, right. where you could you could actually pre- the the last Intel bug was you could predict and you could influence, you could trick the AI uh, pipeline architecture of the Intel CPU to be able to confuse it and get it to do what you want it to do, right? Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so this is one of those type of bugs. So if you want to go to communities.vmware.com, it's, yeah. uh, it's on the header. Uh, click on his article, and you can uh, see the links to go look at the KB articles that are talking about yep. the security vulnerability that's, uh, that we, we're talking about. And I'll just add yeah. in the future, you know, we hope to have on the new community that we um, are envisioning things like SMS, RSS, so people can get these, you know, brought right to their desktop uh, yeah. as opposed to having to even – to the community to find this information out. All right, great. So uh, last couple minutes here, we'll just uh, we'll do the, 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 the roundup. One is, um, are you going to be at VMworld, and how, are you on Twitter? How do people follow you? Yes, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, uh, at Pint of Brian. Pint of Brian. Pint of Brian. Pint of, right. Uh, P-I-N-T-A Brian? Or? Uh, P-I-N-T. P-I-N-T. At, at A-T, Brian, B-R-I-A-N. Okay, there yeah, you go. All I right, would... so give Brian, Brian a follow, and... Uh, Say hello and tell him you heard him on the podcast. Uh, that that'd be good. And uh, he's part of the community ecosystem. He's kind of like the GS guru of communities, and so uh, we we like working with him. And it's a it's a great addition to the VMware ecosystem. So give him a follow and see if we can get you up to you know some thousands of followers, and you can uh, engage with the community members. That would be awesome because I don't have a whole lot right now. Yeah, <laughs> perfect, perfect. Uh, and then finally, uh, a couple minutes to go. Uh, what do you uh, what do you what keeps you up at night? Um, you know, as with regard to your job, uh, and uh, and then we'll close out with a good book. Well, to be honest with you, I I'm passionate about communities, and when I think of communities, I, I think of sites like the Apple community. I think about the Salesforce community. These are amazing communities. These are companies that have invested you know tens of thousands, if not millions of dollars in in these communities. I really believe that we can equal that, if not better that, because I really believe the mindset is here, the investments are here, the people are motivated to do this. I really think that we can build one of the best enterprise uh, support communities in the industry. And uh, that's my vision. That's what keeps me up at night is how do we make that happen? Mm Oh, excellent, excellent. I would argue that we probably are better than them already, right? Uh, so uh, that's that's what I would say is uh, for all the people who are listening in the community space, uh, we'll bring Brian up to speed soon, uh, hopefully. And uh, and from a GS perspective and a support perspective, I think that uh, it's there's a, a lot of opportunity to improve it. So uh, that's good. And then any good books? 
A uh, little off topic here. Uh, one book. They're called, all off topic. Yeah, so yeah. That, I should also say that. Like, give us yeah. a good book that's off topic. Uh, Blue Ocean. Blue Ocean. Uh, I'm a lover of the water and uh, everything about it. I really believe that it has uh, an effect on people, uh, on their health, on their their mindset. Uh, I personally live by the ocean and uh, I wouldn't live anywhere else. Uh, so give it a, give it a call. I think uh, right. water and being in water is underappreciated. And uh, um, when we live in this kind of stressful high tech world, it's it's often needed. And uh, um, I recommend that book. All right. So there you heard it from uh, Brian. So uh, Blue Ocean is is his his book of book of recommendation here on the podcast. So uh, that's good. So um, thanks a lot for uh, being on the show. Uh, it's always good to get uh, new perspectives uh, in what we're doing in community. So uh, Brian Griffin, thanks a lot. And uh, we're at the top of the hour. So V Barbecue Report is we are going to have. Uh, you know, pigs on skewers barbecuing at the V-Expert party at VMworld Vegas. So if you get a chance and if you're a V-Expert, come on by. We're going to have buses. Uh, should be a great time. Back at the Pinball machine, Museum, uh, the barbecue should be good. And uh, we will be back again next week. And then the following week, we will be at VMworld. Uh, until then, everybody have a great rest of your week. And we'll see you again next week. Thanks a lot. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.